0: Welcome to Managing Marketing and today I'm sitting down for a conversation with David Angel, General Manager of Australia and New Zealand and Head of Media at Trinity P3. Welcome David.
1: Hello Darren, nice to be here as always. Um, look it's uh,
0: always good to talk about media because I've had some feedback um, from the engineer that puts our uh, podcasts together for us uh, Jared was saying that uh, he finds the media conversations the most interesting followed by data and digital so uh, we're doing this one
1: just for Jared. We're doing something right, which is good. Yes, OK. He also this says, one goes out to you, Jared.
0: He also says that uh, it gets more listenership of uh, any of the topics. So I think... Well, that's all matters. Clearly, media is the hot topic. <laughs> but um, it seems that there's a lot of issues around media, and most of them seem to be cost-related.
1: Yes. Um, I think the uh, definition of, of the importance of cost in the overall... Um, in the overall value of media you know what what does cost actually mean I think there's a lot of um, traditional perception of um, media cost both in terms of what the agency should be delivering and um, what represents a a benefit to the clients and um, the hunt for lowest common denominator thinking as I call it which is basically let's buy the cheapest media possible has all sorts of implications um, for uh, the quality and the and transparency with which agencies are able to trade. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a hot
0: topic because people often disagree. And it's interesting because um, Tom Denford from IDCOMS recently shared on LinkedIn, only in the last uh, couple of days, about how a global pitch had stayed with the existing agency and that it was largely decided on price or cost and um, how terrible that was a missed opportunity, you know, that they could have done more with that whole pitch process than just negotiate price. And the head of marketing procurement for quite a big advertiser um, wrote a comment, and I I, I thought uh, it was very telling. It was, it's incredibly naive to think that cost is not a major consideration.
1: It sort of says it all, doesn't it? I mean, can, well, that's why I shared it with you. Well, yeah. <laughs> Look, the short answer to that is Tom is absolutely right, and and the the comment the commentator there is is uh, at best myopic. I mean, nobody nobody would suggest that cost is not important. However, it is a subset of value, not the other way around. It is a It is a lever, one lever of many that drives overall value of an agency's output and and overall. Um, value that, that the agency generates for the client, but ultimately that value should generate business outcomes of one of one form or another. And if cost is the only lever, then that is simply not going to happen because the quality of what you're buying will decline. Um, pitches where, I mean, Tom sort of only probably only said half of it actually. You know, the the, the I have been personally involved in pitches where. Um, Cost is not the only consideration during the pitch, and the agency is put through hoops on strategy, and is put through hoops on relationship and chemistry, and everything else for weeks and weeks and weeks, only for cost to then be the be all and all factor. So my question in in that circumstance is, well, why do the why do anything else? Yeah, it negates the entire process. Um, if you can just buy it, if you buy, can just now, buy cheap the
0: lowest, lowest cost. Yeah, if you just buy cheap, then okay. Because it's interesting, is it? the fact is that this is not a modern uh, consideration like media has always been you could buy cheap media you know when it was television world it was daytime television or late night you know midnight to dawn was when you bought Cheap television. Um, You know, to buy radio, you'd get those same late night times. Uh, Outdoor, you would just get the spots that no one ever drove past or had trees growing over them so no one would ever see your ad. There was always opportunities to do cheap inventory, wasn't there?
1: Well, I think there's two things. You know, there was always um, opportunity to do cheap inventory. You didn't actually necessarily need an agency to to exploit those opportunities either. But um, the other component of it is, of course, that the agency brought scale. Um, in terms of buying clout uh, by aggregating pools of um, money from various different clients and um, buying that that cheap inventory even cheaper and it was the original proposition and premise of, of you know and reason for being of a media agency it was okay we've got we've got more scale and clout in the market therefore we can buy things cheaper and you get a saving um, that might have worked in 1960 and mm. uh, Or 1970, but it certainly doesn't. Oh no, Harold Mitchell
0: was still pushing it in 1980 (laughs) and 1990 as well, David. Well,
1: (laughs) you know, I'd be the last person to criticise Harold. You know, he's he's a. a, I'm just saying that was still relevant in the 80s and 90s. He's a a titan of the industry, and and and, you know, but I think um, even he would probably admit that that uh, you know the the cost as, as as a as a component, had evolved over, over time, right? Yes, it used to be the be-all and end-all, and, and it still remains important. And scale remains, um, to a certain extent, um, a factor, but it's certainly, uh, with modern um, media agencies and, and modern ways of trading and modern ways of thinking, uh, not the only factor by any stretch.
0: The danger is, and I think it's driven by, um, no one wants to pay more for the same piece of inventory than anyone else yes right so because then you feel ripped off but the danger is that if you're only using the one dimension of cost you're not actually comparing like for like of course not yeah and so you know while that's in in all of those tangible examples i used before of tv and outdoor and radio you know you can see them fast forward to today with the digital world and of course there's infinite opportunities for cheap inventory the thing is that you can't really, as an advertiser, you can't really see it. And as many have discovered, neither can their customers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lots of computers can in, in dark, deepest, darkest Russia or something. But um, look, I think, yeah, um, programmatic trading and, you know, let's not forget programmatic is simply a means to an end. It's, it's, autom- it's just automation is, is all it is. But it has given rise to things like um, biddable um, buying tactics, which is, which is one type of programmatic buy. Um, which doesn't rely on a fixed rate card or a fixed cost, um, and and that is that is good in the sense that um, to your earlier point, you know, uh, yes, one advertiser doesn't want to pay, pay the same piece of inventory less or more uh, more than another advertiser. Yeah, they're happy to pay less. They're happy to pay less. They, pay less. they don't <laughs> want to pay more. But that ignores the fact that that piece of inventory may be worth much more to advertiser A than advertiser B on, in relative terms. So. Uh, it's, it should be about the outcome, if, and that's due to
0: targeting and environment can make a big difference, can't it?
1: Well, if at the end of the day, you want your ad, you want every ad you put out to lead to a sale. And if if if, if uh, uh, that this particular environment is good for advertiser A, then advertiser A should be prepared to pay a bit more for it because, in relative terms, the return is still going to be greater. Um, and that's the premise of bidable. You know, it's what, the main premise of biddable advertising. It's interesting
0: um, because, and and you're way too young to remember these days, but I I remember late 90s and and early this century, um, the promise of digital media was its ability to target individuals. Mm -hmm. And it really was, the whole conversation was uh, uh, framed around almost like direct marketing, that here was an opportunity unlike the traditional medias which would broadcast to hundreds of thousands, millions of people, he was going to be this opportunity to target mm-hmm. individuals. Now, it's really interesting because that was the conversation for sort of the first five, ten years of online media. Let's call it online media. Then the uh, global recession happened, 2000, you know, the financial mm-hmm. meltdown, and I think also the investment by all of these private equity firms in technology companies like Facebook and Google. And and, and suddenly they realised, well, selling individual digital ads is not going to make us a lot of money. We need to flip the proposition to not that you can target individuals, but that you can reach millions of individuals really cheap.
1: Yes. Um, it flipped completely on its head, and now it's gone in a, in a third way, or a third dimension, which is... Uh, Target people individually, but also at scale. Yeah. Um, so you know, trying to have your cake and eat it too type of type of thing. And um, yeah, look, I think uh, there is so much inventory out there, and the promise of um, not only being able to buy that inventory very cheaply, but also under the guise of or the premise of. And we're still retargeting your your you know these individual uh, browsers or these individual customers um, has been sold as a big shiny thing, and mm-hmm. um, uh, where cost has been a huge component in marketers chasing the traditional CPM, um, which almost everyone who talks publicly realizes is is, is not the way forward, um, mm-hmm. chasing cheap inventory. But at the same time. Uh, many people continue to do it, many organisations continue to do it Uh, and many agencies continue to do it. Well I think
0: it's easy to sell to the CEO and the board that if uh, my CPM was X uh, per thousand and today by investing more and more in digital and social channels it's now half X um, per thousand then look at the amazing job I've done. That's right
1: and of course that's a spray and pray mentality and um, you know That has given rise, part of that is one of the reasons that that, um, there is now a $6.3 billion ad fraud industry in this business because um, uh, botnet fraud and other forms of ad fraud have been able to um, proliferate in that kind of environment where people are just buying reams and reams and reams of inventory. It becomes very easy to hide and um, disguise yourself uh, when it is absolutely impossible for a a human being to to really understand um, exactly what has been bought. Um, And that's even before we get into the murky world of multiple ad exchanges, multiple DSPs, Mm -hmm. quality of inventory issues, long tail um, of inventory. Um, Fundamentally though, if cost continues to be the major driver, um, ad fraud will continue to thrive and um, the uh, effectiveness of digital advertising Mm -hmm. will um, forever be a a shiny thing that's never quite realised.
0: Mm. Which is sad, really, because it has so much potential. But while we're selling it uh, the way you'd sell tons of coal from Newcastle, if they still mine coal in Newcastle, um, it, uh, it really does undervalue the opportunity that that media
1: presents, doesn't it? Treat it simply as a unit cost and you are missing at least 50% of the picture, probably more. And any sensible media agency, frankly, would agree agree with that, I think. Um, There are all sorts of other ways um, that you should be able to assess the value and the outcome of of your digital advertising. Um, uh, And, um, you know, just just buying cheap and buying large is, um, is is just fundamentally not efficient or as it effective
0: it's completely flawed Flaug, yeah. but it's interesting isn't it because then we had the big outcry uh, it's 2018 what 2015 about transparency we need transparency and in response to that agencies are now coming back and saying to their clients well we can do a disclosed model where mm. we disclose and give you complete well complete transparency into the bits we can control, Mm -hmm. or a non-disclosed model. Can you explain the difference between the two?
1: Yeah, so um, a a, a non-disclosed model is where um, an agency effectively is um, buying inventory on behalf of the client as per normal, um, but the client is not able to see or or, nor is it able to audit the, um, the actual cost being paid by the media agency for that inventory. Um, nor is it able to see the, the associated costs of uh, that f- flow through the supply chain, in the forms of commissions and or, or rebates. So it's non-disclosed in the sense that um, the media agency is capable of essentially on-selling the inventory um, at a markup, um, and uh, we have the client has no idea of what that markup is. Um, it's also known as principal-based trading. Um, it's also known as arbitrage or a form of arbitrage. Um, mm. Agencies have, have, because of the transparency out, outcry to a certain extent, have had to come a bit a bit clean about this. But the fact of the matter is that clients, generally speaking, have signed addendums to their contracts that allow the agency to do this. So I'm not suggesting for a minute that agencies have acted anti-contract or illegally in this regard. Um, they are making profit. Um, the, the problem has been clients haven't realised this and um, it, there is a fine line between profiting and profiteering. So the more cynical would say the agencies have been profiteering at the expense of of the clients the agencies on the other hand would say well hang on uh, we've bought all this inventory up front that's what principal based trading you buy you buy a bulk of inventory and then you on sell it We've taken all the risk in buying that inventory because the uh, cli- <laughs> the clients may or may not want it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, debatable. Um, uh, and, and sorry, it you know, was, was my cynicism. It's showing. easy to be cynical about that, but that is the argument that's often put forward. You know, that there is a there is an upfront risk we have um, outlaid. Um, expenditure to, to, to purchase this um, and the other argument the agencies make is um, of course because we're able to buy in bulk we buy it cheaper mm. and notwithstanding the fact that we're marking it up and notwithstanding the fact that you can't see what that markup is you're still getting the inventory cheaper from a cost per thousand or cost per c- CPM perspective. So that's non-disclosed? That's non-disclosed. Tell me so about disclosed. Disclosed models are um, Essentially, the reverse of, of that in the sense that the, the, um, the advertiser has a full ability to see the cost of the inventory. Um, the agency is not contractually allowed to mark that inventory up, or if it does mark it up, um, it is a, a disclosed markup as opposed to um, an opaque one. And generally speaking, other, other things like um, associated technology costs that flow through the supply chain, um, ad serving, uh, double click bid management tools, and all of this kind of stuff. Um, Get disclosed on media plans or in or in contractors as as line items. So the client has much more understanding um, uh, Of of exactly where its media dollar is going and how much of its media dollar is being invested in actual inventory as opposed to associated costs Um, and it and it prevents the agency from uh, Trading in bulk uh, in in, from a principal trading point of view and then extracting unseen profit Mm. Um, so
0: Well, uh, look, I I just want to um, share with you a conversation I had with a very senior trading person. This is actually uh, in Asia. And they said to me, I don't know why everyone's carrying on about transparency. And I go, well, because it's the hot issue. And they said, well, (laughs) we offered our clients non-disclosed. And we said, you're likely to get cheaper inventory compared to disclosed, where you end up paying whatever the rate is that is negotiated on the day. But we'll almost guarantee it'll be cheaper if it's non-disclosed, mm-hmm. almost guarantee. Mm-hmm. And 100% of our clients went for non-disclosed. Uh, so, is it a fact that the industry wants transparency as a concept but isn't willing to pay for it?
1: Yes. It's the short answer. My my experience in this market has been very very similar to that. Um, you know, it, it's almost a case of the, the, they talk the talk but then don't walk the walk. Um, to be fair to agencies, there's two things. To be fair to agencies, oh. they have they have come to the table with disclosed models. My personal experience has been that the clients very rarely take them up. Okay. Um, and then, and, then, and then complain about lack of transparency. And then complain about lack of transparency. So you know, th- fr- from that perspective, the agency is between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. And, and it all comes back to the same thing: if cost is being used as the ultimate lever, or if or if media is being considered in unit cost terms, then of course, ultimately, the client's going to want cheap um, and guaranteed and cheap, and gar- gar- guaranteed cheap, no matter what the quality of the inventory. And and so that um, even even though that they're the
0: same clients that down the track go. Oh my God! Brain safety. The agency has let us down again.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so that's not great either, frankly. Um, look, I, I, and, and the other th- the other thing is, that, you know, there are shades of grey in in transparency. One thing I do say to um, um, clients in in this space when I'm working on these projects is that you you know let's not forget here every. Company on the planet has a right to a level of privacy, and you know, no, no company is one hundred percent transparent about everything right. it does. You know, does do, do you tell your customers about the constituent markup in, in your tin of beans and all of the ingredients in that bean in that tin of beans? Well, no. Yeah. Um, but in these, you know, there is, as I said, a fine line between profiting and profiteering. So the balance is to have a, and, and there is a, also a fine line between marketers and, and, and advertising clients even understanding what it is that they're signing. And in, and in that, I think agencies have been complicit in, in some challenging behaviour over the past years. You know, put, putting um, addendums in front of clients, the clients have signed, so that's on them, but without really much explanation as to what it is they're actually signing. And, and that, I think, has personally, has been a challenge. Um, and clients, have multiple times when we've done media output and media agency assessment work, has come to us and said, yeah, we signed it. And we signed it five years ago. I think we've done another podcast about the importance of contracts. You know, we signed it when programmatic trading, for example, was in in its infancy. I didn't really understand it then. I don't really understand it now. And now I'm and pumping now, five, ten million dollars for it. Yeah. Absolutely correct. I've literally had people say to me, I, I know that I should be doing programmatic, but it feels like a black hole of money. And uh, well, okay. Let's start with I know I should be doing programmatic why? why? You be? Yeah. Um and, and secondly uh, if you don't understand where your money is going, well, that needs to be challenged. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, the agency immediately has to reveal, reveal all, but it does mean that the agency needs to be a bit more scrupulous about offering different servicing options that might cater to different levels of, of comfort, which is what they've tried to do to be fair to them mm. with disclosed oh, yeah. and non-disclosed trade agreements. I, I
0: absolutely believe that agencies have responded every way they can to address the issues, but you also have to put yourself in the position of the marketer, advertiser, right? They've, for a long time, been delivering uh, the cost expectations of the company, which is to drive down... -hmm. Marketing costs, they get lower budgets, they've got less money to spend, yet they're under more pressure to deliver results. If one of the results that you can deliver is a lower cost per thousand, even though cost per thousand is no longer a relevant measure in the digital ecosystem, media Mm -hmm. supply chain, to then turn around and say, well, you know what, we've been lowering the costs, but in actual fact, Unbeknownst to us, uh, we've been buying more of stuff that is potentially dangerous to the business reputation and brand, is possibly not actually being seen by anyone in at least one one out of two cases, and could be funding terrorism, uh, crime, and uh, other nefarious activities all around the world. And to solve that, we need to go back to spending more on media. Now, how do you reckon that resonates with that is, the CFO and the CEO? That
1: is a, that is a big call to make um, <laughs> for any marketer. Um, you mean,
0: uh, it's effectively, here's yeah, <laughs> my resignation.
1: Well, if, look, I, I mean, and I, the only point that you, in you know, everything you just said that I would dispute is that, that you know, we need to spend more on media. Um, we might need to spend more per unit cost on media, but that doesn't necessarily translate into a larger media budget. Um, Good point. We'll just buy less. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> but we better stuff. buy less, fewer, bigger, better, right? Yeah. But that is a big call for marketers to make. I completely understand how they're in that position. It takes a Mark Pritchard. It takes, uh, you know, the Mark Pritchard has emerged as, as, as the really the first serious marketer to globally stand up and say, Do you know what? This whole thing is murky. We've been complicit in that. He doesn't. He doesn't just. It's very important to make that distinction. He doesn't just blame agencies. No. He, he blames himself. He blames his his own organization, um, and then they have had the balls to. Uh, maybe we should do that bit out. No, no. They, they have no. had the guts to, to, um, to then test accordingly. So P and G famously pulled 140 million dollars of advertising out of digital media. It had absolutely zero effect on their bottom line or right. their or their business results, and therein lies the challenge. Cheap media does not necessarily lead to better outcomes. So how do you measure the effect of media or the attribution, the attribution effect on media on a business outcome? If you can crack that, then all of the problems about is it cheaper than it was last year or is it cheaper than my competitor goes away because ultimately you are delivering return on marketing investment. Mm. That's what this should be about, but learned behavior and over time contracts have that the you know the agencies have signed contracts where they have to deliver lower and lower lowest common denominator cost thinking and um, marketers have been measured on that too and the first thing to, to, to be looked at is media because it's the single largest bucket that most marketers have to
0: play with It's a commoditization process that largely doesn't believe that it's a return on investment It largely says that these are units that if we buy cheaper, we're in a better position. We're an actual fact, and, and I've noticed all the way through this conversation, you keep talking about the reason you advertise in media, the reason you buy media is to drive sales, is to get people to buy things. And the great thing about digital is that you can actually track people's responses. One of the things it does really well, it can't tell you why they do it, but it can absolutely tell you what they do Yes. You know, it is and it used to be called interactive media. Do you remember that (laughs) period before it became digital media? It was called interactive interactive. media. Why was it called interactive? Because you could put something out there and people could actually respond to it by clicking on something or going somewhere or reading something or viewing something or providing some information. In real time. I mean, TV and the other mediums are just catching up to that. You know, we're starting to see interactive television. But um, I think most people, when they get in front of television, aren't wanting to interact with anything except maybe the fridge and the... uh, yeah, the mobile phone. Well, the, yeah,
1: well, it's important you mention the mobile phone because, yes, they are interacting with the mobile phone and their laptop yeah. and, and multi-screen, you know, yeah. that's a but, whole but, conversation. But, but, yeah, a yeah, whole so. different issue.
0: But, yeah, that, I think, um, uh, you know, getting back to that would be a really powerful way of marketers being able to show some sort of performance metric
1: other than cost. It's, it's, it's always struck me as a huge irony. Always, this almost all the way through my career, it struck me as a huge irony that the largest bucket of spend is treated with the least respect from that perspective. So, it barks to spend more on media than anything <laughs> I'm else, sorry, I'm laughing and, and yet it is the most commoditized part of, of what they simply do not. There is, there is, we've been so forced into a myopic position on it. It's it's it's
0: Sorry, uh, uh, I I worked largely in a creative agency and I I joined JWT, my last agency that I was at before I set up Trinity P3, at the time that media was leaving to become Mindshare, Mm. right? And I remember even then, even when they had a new branding, Mindshare with the purple red, um, that every presentation to a client where there was media and creative it was strategy for 15 minutes, creative for 30, uh, 35 minutes, and then the last 10 minutes was, oh, and here's a couple of Excel spreadsheets <laughs> with some plans and off, and, and let's look at the bottom line and off we go. I mean, I think the whole industry, not just marketers, but the whole industry has taken that attitude often towards media.
1: I think look, there's a, it's a whole other conversation that's a, a whole other candle for a whole other cake, so to speak, but I think, uh, um, people gravitate to what they can understand easiest, people gravitate to shiny things, people gravitate to uh, things being sold well, and media agencies traditionally have not sold themselves well um, in terms of articulating simple strategy or simple um, approaches to what what it is that they do. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I'm old enough to remember that, that, you know, there's sort of, it's just the spreadsheet on the back of it. I think, you know, there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of smart agencies out there now who are wrapping, um, Media and broader um, advertising and marketing services into a much bigger sort of CX loop, uh, a much bigger ecosystem of owned, earned, shared, and paid channels. And I'm making some truly agnostic, getting towards truly agnostic decisions about where marketers should spend their money in that context, as opposed to what part of the paid network should you be spending your money on. It is okay, well, maybe this shouldn't be in the paid part at all, or, or we should devise a strategy where our paid. Uh, our, our paid um, uh, investment comes down. Yeah. Um, but for that to happen obviously people need to get paid properly for for the work they're doing and the agreements need to be transparent and you can't just be chasing cheap me- media inventory because otherwise it won't work.
0: Mm. And in fact we've seen some really interesting companies, uh, Hearts and Sciences, MDC Media Partners, yeah. um, you know companies that are embracing data uh, as a way, and not just customer data, like, you know, millions and millions, very large, you know, the big data to actually inform decisions on media placement and then to measure real performance, not just cost per thousands and those, you know, or number of likes in social media, but actual performance, linking it all the way through to, you uh, to businesses
1: growing, it's the magic. It's the magic bridge, isn't it? Building the bridge between um, marketing cause, marketing effect, and you know the effect that marketing has on a business, and tra- translating the sort of the the stereotype of marketing as a cost centre into marketing as a as a, as a profit centre for a, for a business. And uh, media is obviously a massive part of that. Um, and there are some, yeah. I mean, the agencies you mentioned, they're, they're fascinating examples. I would add agencies over here like CHE Proximity, who have invested a lot in. Um, trying to close that gap bridge that you know create that sort of bridge between um, properly articulated strategy and actual outcomes um, but it takes it takes a lot of work and a brave a brave client um, and and it takes technology and things like attribution modeling and, and, and approaches in things like attribution modeling have evolved hugely over time um, but one thing that the on the client side they have to do is actually uh, trust that those models actually work and deliver mm. and be prepared to stand by if if their paid media budget gets brought down. That's, of, that's often been a, a big barrier.
0: Yeah. It, it's um, also good because, you know, and I hate it when it, you always know a speaker at a conference is, uh, a, you know, a little bit... Um, Mm-hmm. Unsure of their topic when they bring up, and as Lord Leverhulme, John Wanamaker famously said, "Half my advertising budget's wasted. <laughs> I don't know which half." Yeah. The fact is that these companies, these approaches, the use of da- you know big data, uh, customer data, to m- inform and make media decisions, and then specifically target and and combine cross media platforms. So, you know, use television and use online and and use various media, but then to be able to flow through and show that return on media investment, Mm. I mean, completely blows that away. You know, there is a horizon which says, you know, 90, 10% of my uh, advertising budget's wasted and I'm willing to live with that.
1: Yeah. And, But but for that, and we're hearing more, you know, in the work that we do, you know this as well. The work we do, we're hearing, we're seeing more and more clients with these um, customer led, data driven transformation programs that they are at various stages of trying to complete. And, you know, media is often a a big part of that. But at the same time, you know, I see um, organizations with that ambition, but at the same time, Putting together KPIs for their media agencies based on can you get me cheaper CPM than you did last year? Mm. So there's a fundamental, there's a complete disconnect (laughs) between those two things. One behavior has to catch up with the other. And um,
0: well, it's it's. I think it's the organisation needs to change their priority in regards to marketing from being a cost of business that needs to be reduced to an investment that needs to prove result. Yes. And once the business changes that, then that will flow all the way through to the poor little media strategist or media buyer who's not just trying to reduce cost per thousand, but is actually focusing on uh, delivering the right metrics, which is uh, business growth.
1: There's no no accident uh, or coincidence in the fact that when we're doing this kind of work, we are seeing more and more of the C-suite getting actively involved. Hmm. You can see it.
0: No, um, and, and the other thing that really cracks me up is the number of times traditional companies and their marketing department go, what are the startups doing? Now, it's really interesting because every technology company, every disruptor that you look at comes from a performance base. They don't do marketing. They don't do advertising just to you know, move some soft metrics. It's always based around performance. Mm. It's about getting growth. So, you know, don't ask what they're doing. Ask why they're doing it. Yes. Because they're doing it to grow. They're not doing it To hit soft metrics and they're not doing it to reduce costs they're doing it because they've got a big upside and maybe the problem is that those traditional companies have forgotten what it means to grow because most of them are in defensive mode trying to reduce shrinkage rather than thinking about growth.
1: Yeah and look I've I've worked with organisations where the the a they're starting to create things like chief customer officers and b those those or chief growth or officer. chief growth officer yes I know the the, the latest yeah. or even chief media officer um and those people are going out to Silicon Valley oh. and, and looking at startups and and uh, sorry David yeah go on I
0: saw chief brand safety officer
1: wow. Hang on! How much time have we got left? Here we go. Brand safety, another another whole topic. Oh, we have.
0: Speaking of which, we've run out of time. But um, if uh, people like Jared want to hear more about uh, media and really interested in this topic, uh, I guess uh, they should be tuning into your new podcast media angle. Um, which is you talking to various uh, stakeholders in media about some of these issues yes. and more.
1: and um, going beyond what I hope are the more traditional, um, you know, there are going to be some great agency CEOs in there, but um, also marketing clients, but also procurement leads um, and media owners. Um, there, there's going to be a wide variety of people because there are so many different perspectives on these issues um, that it's always interesting to explore them, and that's really the, the premise of the podcast. So yes, they will be um, available soon and I'm, I'm recording them all as we speak. So that's on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's called Media Angle with David
0: Angel and it's Media from Every Angle. David, thanks for joining us.
1: No problem. Pleasure.
0: Uh, I'm just trying to think of that question that uh, is going to torture
1: you. Make <laughs> <laughs> make uh, me laugh at the end. There's, there's got to be something. Yeah.
0: No, I think we'll just skip it this
1: time. All right. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks again. <coughs>